Hi there. Thank you for joining me. My name's Steve and welcome to the inaugural episode of Patient Mints, where I will spend the next 15 minutes or so talking about some of my favourite music, where I'll be talking about my favourite bands, favourite albums, uh, my favourite five closing tracks from certain groups, and, like today's episode, my favourite cover versions. One thing I like about cover versions is it gets the artist to leave their handprint, their DNA, their registered trademark sound on a song. I like that when that happens. But I love it when an artist takes a song and just totally makes it theirs. Like rearranges it in a totally different way or subverts it somehow. Which will be a feature of another podcast episode later on down the line. Yeah, I really like that when an artist goes, you know what, you like this song, I'm going to show you how I can do it my way. As much as I love Todd Rundgren, I did find his 1976 album Faithful, particularly the first half, where he did faithful re-recordings of Happenings Ten Years Ago, If Six Were Nine, Most Likely Your Go Your Way, I'll Go Mine, Rain, Strawberry Fields Forever, and Good Vibrations. They sounded so much like the originals, it just felt like Todd was singing over a backing track, like kind of like a pre-karaoke album. Um, the second side of that album is fantastic. Uh, the first side's a little sterile, flat, dare I say, corporate. Yeah, it's not a it's not an it's not a side of an album that I play a lot of. And I don't like cover versions like that. They just play it totally straight. I like a little bit of... I like a little something different. Something to make it go, oh, oh I'm glad they covered that. Yes, that's interesting. My philosophy is, if you're going to do a cover version, at least be original. So with that being said, let's have a look at some of my favourite covers out there and ask them the question, is it better than the original? So at first... We have Charles Bradley and his cover of the Black Sabbath number, Changes. The original song was on uh, the Black Sabbath's Volume 4 album in 1972 and it was never a song I really liked. It was one that I always skipped from that album. Um, I'd much rather listen to FX, the kind of brief instrumental that sounded like two triffids talking to each other. Um, yeah, it didn't really suit Ozzy's voice. Um, it didn't really. I didn't really think it suited Black Sabbath, to be honest. Um, I've read other pieces now that people say that oh, it's a great song and all that, but I, it didn't resonate with me. It still doesn't resonate with me. However, what Charles Bradley's version does is it shows the depth of the lyrics. The arrangement is superb. It's a very bluesy, soulful uh, kind of number. Very. Um, very reminiscent of like a Otis Redding song. Um, the brass in here is lovely. Um, the whole the whole band itself is just brilliant. And Charles's voice, you can hear the heartbreak in his voice. You can hear that he has loss. He has pain. He has he he, he is he is going through these changes. He is. You can fear. fear you can feel him poured his heart and soul into this song. And for me, this is the best version of that Black Sabbath song that there is. 
it's a totally different direction um, when people do Black Sabbath covers. Um, but then again, it was. A, it, I didn't really feel it was a Black Sabbath song. That's just me. But this is this what this song is superb. Um, this is my favorite version of Changes, and it knocks the Black Sabbath version into a cocked hat, as they say around these parts. Next in line is I Heard It Through the Grapevine. That rhymed. By Credence Clearwater Revival. Who, going forward, I will now refer to as CCR because I do not want to stumble over those words anymore. You would not believe how many takes that has took. <laughs> Originally written in 1966 by those songwriting geniuses Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong for Motown Records, it was released in 1967 by Gladys Knight and the Pips and gave her a huge hit. The following year, Marvin Gaye got his hands on it, and it also became a huge hit. And I think, well, I'm more familiar with the Marvin Gaye version than the Gladys Knight version. I think that's, I don't know about other people, I just know for me, I'm more familiar with the Marvin Gaye version. And in 1970, CCR released their album Cosmos Factory, and on it, there is an 11-minute version of this song. Now, long songs on CCR albums are not a new thing. Their debut had a nine, ten-minute version of Suzy Q. A lot of lovely guitar solos on that. This one, it's pretty much the same. Uh, it starts off nice and soulful, a little bit of R&B vibe. The band's grooving along. And then John just decides to go, hey, look what I can play on guitar. The song is tight but loose, and there's some wonderful tasteful guitar soloing on here um it it's it's one of those long songs that never seems to outstay its welcome that you're never looking at your watch going ah oh, is this still going when's when's when when's this going to end it, it it it's not one of those songs at all it's a joyful joyous song so which one do i like best hmm hard to say it depends on my mood if i'm after a quick fix then the marvin gay version easily but if I want to just relax, jam, get lost in the song, this is the one I would pick. This is the one that I would choose. It's, yeah, yeah, I would choose this one from CCR. The next song is by English folk singer June Tabor and is taken from her 1976 Ers and Graces album, her first solo record, and it's entitled and the band played Waltzing Matilda. Originally written in 1971 by Australian Eric Bogle, the song tells of war as a futile and gruesome venture, whilst criticising those who glorify it, and has been covered by various and sundry artists, including the Irish Rovers, Joan Baez, the Dubliners, the Pogues, and Midnight Oil, to name but a few. For me, it's this version by June Tabor that is the best version I've I've heard. It's just June Tabor's voice. There's nothing. There's no musical instrumentation. There's no drums, no fiddles, no violins, no guitars. Nada. Zip. Zilch. Just June Tabor's voice, and it's an absolutely stunning performance. It can bring a tear to your eye the first time you hear it. I know because the first time I heard the song, I wept for ten minutes. Her voice is part 
narrator, part participant. It's such it's such a beautiful song. She has such a fabulous, beautiful voice. The lack of instrumentation in this song is the best thing about it because it forces you to concentrate on the lyrics and what they're saying. They're not getting lost behind a lovely little flute melody or violin solo or whatever. June Tabor's version was the first version of this song that I heard and it kind of ruined me for all the versions that I've heard since. They're very good, they're very enjoyable, but they don't have the same power and the same punch as June Tabor's version does for me. The Pogues come close, but with her, with her clear vocals and no instrumentation at all, it strikes into the heart of me. It speaks to me more than any of the other versions have. That's why this version is my favourite version of this song. Now we have Jimi Hendrix and All Along the Watchtower. Yes, I know it's an obvious choice. I know, but it's a classic cover version. It's one of the first ones that pop into your head when somebody says cover versions. Oh yeah, Jimi Hendrix, All Along the Watchtower. Boom. Written by Bob Dylan whilst he was convalescing after his motorcycle accident in 1966, it appeared in 1967 on his John Wesley Harding album. And then a year later, in 68, Hendrix took this song and made it his own. It follows the same structure as the Dylan song, um, but instead of the harmonicas, you've got Jimmy's prowess on the guitar. Um, there's, a, there's an urgency about this song that is lacking in the Dylan version. Um, the guitars invoke an incoming storm and a sense of dread. Um, there's a lot of various guitar effects and guitar sounds that he has on this record. In just this one minute, this little four-minute song, there's so many different guitar tones, guitar sounds. It's just mind-blowing. Since the release of Hendrix's version of All on the Watchtower, some of Dylan's live versions of this song have been influenced by the Hendrix version. It's been a lot heavier, a lot more urgent. So which version do I prefer? Hendrix or Dylan? It's going to have to be Hendrix with this one. Um, just for the guitar sounds alone. The Bob Dylan song is a, great, is a good song. Hendrix just made, made it his own and made it great. Um, it's my favourite version of All Along the Watchtower out there. There is a second version of All Along the Watchtower which I really like, but I'll do that in a future episode. Hendrix had the ability to take a song by someone else and make it his own. And the next guy I'm going to talk about is also a genius at doing things like that, taking someone else's song and making it his own. I'm, of course, referring... To Johnny Cash. Taken from the American Recordings 3 album in the year 2000, my next favourite cover version is Johnny Cash's The Mercy Seat. Originally written by Nick Cave and performed by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds on their Tender Prey album in 1988. It's the story of a man being led to the electric chair to be executed. 
Nick Cave has called it a personal highlight, this song. And he said, it doesn't matter what anyone says, Johnny Cash recorded my song. Which, hey, as a songwriter, you know, you've got to be chuffed with that. What I like most about Johnny Cash is he can take a song and make it his own. Hurt, in my life, solitary man even. And, and, and the lyrics really suit Johnny Cash's voice. More so than the original Nick Cave version. Um, Cash's, Cash's voice brings a bit more gravitas, age, weariness to what he was to, to what he's singing. Um, Cave's version is a little more. He's still um, a little spiky, a little punky, you know. And again, this is another song I heard first before the original. So when I heard the original by Nick Cave, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, it kind of drags on a little bit towards the end. So which version do I prefer, Nick Cave or Johnny Cash? Well, I'm going to have to go with Johnny Cash on this. Um, the Nick Cave song is good. Um, there's some, some great bones in that song. It just needs a little trimming. It's a little too unfocused. Johnny Cash's version... Is very focused. There's not an ounce, there's not a minute wasted on this song. He's actually taken the bones, added flesh to it, and sculpted this entity out of it. I'm mixing my metaphors here, I don't care. Yes, so, Johnny Cash, The Mercy Seat, from the American Recordings 3 album, is my pick as one of my favourite cover versions. Finally, we come to I'm a Believer by Robert Wyatt. Originally written in 1966 and performed by the Monkees, it was a big hit both here and in the States. This 1974 release on Virgin Records was his first single as a solo artist and got to number 29 in the UK charts. He was asked to come in by the record label to record the Monkees song and he was going to do it and he loved to, he wanted to do it. And um, apparently he wanted to do Last Train to Clarksville, but he got muddled up, so did this one instead. Robert White was in Soft Machine and Matching Mole and whilst recording his first solo album, he fell from a fourth story window and broke his spine, which confines him to a wheelchair to this day. Um, on the record, we have Nick Mason on drums and who produced it. Fred Frith from Henry Cow on guitar and violin. Dave McRae, who was in his band Matching Mole on piano. And on bass was Richard Sinclair, who played with Caravan and Camel. I've always liked this version. It's, for me, it's a little more upbeat and jaunty than the Monkees version, if you can believe that. It has that very um, UK Canterbury scene feel to it. I love Fred Frith's uh, guitar notes, guitar noodling. Uh, the guitar solo is lovely in this as well. Robert Wyatt's voice, when he sings, normally, for want of a better word, always puts a smile on my face. He, he really sounds happy on here. He sounds really, really happy on this song, and that comes through in the performance. I like the Monkees version. It's a very, very, very good pop song. Um, but the Robert Wyatt version just makes me feel groovy and relaxed and happy. Um, you know, Frith's guitar lines are very soothing. They're very melodious. And 
given the choice of the two, I I would pick the Robert White version over the monkeys. Just. Just. And so we come to the end of the episode. Not quite the end of the list of my favourite cover versions. This was just a small portion. Um, I will be doing future episodes about different themed cover versions. Hope you can join me for that. If you like listening to what I was talking about, please like, comment, subscribe and all that jazz. I don't know how this works. So um, I think something will be in the description box with links. Um, how you can contact me. I don't know. I'd like to know what your thoughts are. I'd like to know what your favourite cover versions are. What what you look for in a cover version as well. I don't know what the next episode's going to be about. And I don't know when it's going to be out. But I hope you can join me. My name's Steve. This has been Pish and Mince. And until next time. Cheerio.